of the human race is Earth, but it's not. Do you know what this will do to people when they find out the truth? I don't think that most people would want to know the truth. I do. Your planet was seeded by a brass axe industries roughly 100,000 years ago. It's one of the most powerful dynasties in the universe. There are three primary heirs. The oldest is Belem. He's the one that controls this planet and wants you dead. I'm telling you, I'm nobody. You are royalty. What about the girl? Still alive. Bring her to me. Same genes reappear in the exact same order. It is what you call reincarnation. Her Majesty's life has got to change if she wants it to. I'm still the same me. Right now, Balem owns the title to Earth. Once you claim it, the Earth will belong to you. I will harvest that planet tomorrow before I let her take it from me. Jupiter ascending. Hello, Joe. Hello. Um, so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, so we watched Jupiter Ascending, and um, where to begin? I think before we begin, we have to remind ourselves uh, the point of this podcast is to try to bring out anything positive from shunned movies yes we can learn from them yes but try to keep it positive um it's very hard with this one this one was a tough one it made maniac cop look like fucking hamlet godfather 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 as it was meant to be um yeah this one was tough this one actually kind of made me angry um we're gonna try and keep it positive but I definitely felt parts of anger that, for one, this film is two hours long and it has no right to be two hours long. Literally no right. Um, so that's the problem. But what? how would you describe the film? Let's, let's, um, let's see how right. we sum it up. <laughs> so this film came out in 2015 from the Wachowski brothers, directors of The Matrix, well, Wachowski siblings. Wachowski siblings. Siblings, I should yeah. say. Yes. Yeah. Uh, director of the Matrix. Directors of the Matrix trilogy, Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. Sensei uh, on TV. Sensei. Yeah. So, you know, directors with uh, pedigrees to some extent, but they they seem to just have ridden on the coattails of the Matrix for about twenty years. <laughs> um, 
and they seem to have an amazing, uncanny ability to prize money from people to fund their mad projects. It is a skill. And with this particular one, I remember when before it came out, you know, there was all these rumblings of what they were doing next. And, you know, because I like Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas was a film before this. It was a really ambitious film. You know, it was like, I think there were three directors on that film. Mm. You know, it was a crazy book with like six different timelines. And mm. and uh, it had its issues, but they pulled it off. And I thought it was quite a, a quite achievement in that way. And so the next film was announced to be something called Jupiter Ascending, which is an original sci-fi idea. It wasn't an adaptation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think the plot was kind of kept under wraps a little bit. I want you kind of see why they did that now. Because <laughs> they didn't know what it was. <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, I think it was impossible for human language to express what they created in like a succinct way. Uh, or they, they realised if they let any of these plot de- details out... <laughs> The film is dead on arrival. So, um, but anyway, so the film is a space opera, I guess, is the way it's been described, space opera. Mm-hmm. And um, which is a, you know, I mean, you know, Star Wars is probably the most famous of those. But yep. um, I mean, the first thing you've got to try and do is describe what the plot is for people who haven't seen it. I mean, I mean, the, the basic synopsis is a young woman, Mila Kunis, finds herself living a very mundane life where she's a cleaner and one day she realizes that she's actually royalty in space and there is a family in space that are all after her for their own nefarious reasons these three siblings and um she is saved by a, a bounty hunter who essentially becomes her bodyguard throughout the whole thing and It's difficult to summarise the plot of the film, but essentially she just gets bounced around these three siblings um, who try to, you know, use her. Um, That's it. That's the plot. Yeah, (laughs) so she's she's a a cleaner, as you say, yeah, and she realises she's space royalty and she becomes interwoven with this crazy fucking interplanetary, interfamilial dispute about uh, harvesting planets resources and earth is the next in line to be harvested and it's being fought over by these two jealous brothers or some crazy shit and a sister who um and a sister who disappears <laughs> yeah. yeah um and mila kunis's role in this is that she is the reincarnation of their mother yes who is the queen of the earth essentially who should who's in, in line to inherit the earth so one of the brothers tries to basically uh, find her and bring her back to essentially try and marry her so that he can be next in line to inherit the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, well, the reason that they want to inherit these planets is because they want to harvest humans yes. um, or all beings in order, to, in order to get this kind of nectar that makes them young. Um, yes. So it's quite, it's quite gruesome in that sense. They're, they, they're going through all of this pr- trouble for essentially like Botox. Yes, yes, and exactly. That's there's a scene earlier with a sister who's obviously an actress in terrible old person makeup, mm-hmm. which they can then quickly remove when they need to make her younger. She walks into a pool of this nectar goo <laughs> and comes out 
looking young. Yeah. And uh, what's astonishing to me, and it's something that is kind of important to mention, is that these people are like obsessed with like gene altering kind mm. of uh, operations or whatever. So you have crews in these spaceships that are manned by people who are half bird. There's one guy who's manning the ship who's an elephant. He's got an elephant head. Yes. Yes, true. Um, and but they managed to do that, but they can't quite crack the code of a bit of Botox under the eyes. That is way beyond their technology, and so they're actually having to harvest planets to do that. Is that literally the sole purpose of what they're trying to do—to look younger? Yes. Uh, well, to look younger and to live for longer, I suppose. Right, because uh, uh, they're going to sell that on the market as a commodity. Yeah, right? okay. yeah. yeah. They're, they're kind of business people of this right. uh, universe. Um, so, so I think, like, what I would say, if, if, you, if you wrote that out on a piece of paper, you'd be like, well, that's mad, right? But there's room there to make something interesting. It's not, as I said, it's not like a buy-the-books you know, Marvel template action film. It's not a, you know, doesn't really conform. The plot itself doesn't really conform to any archetypes, you know. It's it's kind of madcap and out there and they're trying something weird, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it does conform to the kind of, like, hero who comes from nothing and sure. becomes well, the savior of the universe or whatever. One of the inspirations, <laughs> according to Lana Wachowski, I think it is, that she said was that um, was the the Odyssey. Oh, um, she said uh, that she was obsessively reading the Odyssey, and out of that reading came this. Sure. Okay. So she must what? have been reading the Odyssey whilst on crack. <laughs> um, no, but like as I said, so you read this on paper and you think, well, that's mad, but you know, okay, it's just different, and you, you, there's lots of opportunities for going to different planets and species you know you can have fun with that you know yeah yeah there's a, yeah go on sorry there, there is a great like we we all agreed like um a few of watch, us watched it and there's a great scene with like they're on this kind of uh i don't know what to call it like local government in space and they have to go through this bureaucratic process where they have to get some form of id you know um they're trying to like register her as like having her title claimed on the planet, right? They're trying to do some like yeah. make it official that she's the queen or something, right? Yeah, and that's when you get a sense of the wider world because so far, like the film is set mostly for, for the first act essentially in Chicago, um, and then the second act is just kind of like whizzing through space, and it just feels a bit soulless because she's just, as I said, she's just bouncing from like one sibling's um lair essentially to the other and they're all just so standard it's just it, you don't know anything about them they're just in a room talking to each other just literally talking to each other at some point they might move down a corridor but that's about it there's just nothing about it that is that suggests any type of personality or any sort of kind of like wider well, world you so you um, said to me that the the original i mean i don't know if this is Maybe this is true. I'm sure it is, but the original draft of the script was 600 pages long, right? You yeah, said that. which I don't think is like I don't think any script has any right to be 600 pages long. I just don't no. think that's viable at all. It's not like a book, you know. Like I mean, this isn't like we're not talking about Bella Tar here. We're not talking about like a Hungarian 
master filmmaker. He he made a film called The Touring Horse, I think, which is like four hours long. I think he made a film called Santan Tango or something like that, which is seven and a half hours long. But that's yeah. just like that's that kind of film, that mad, you know, European art house style. This is supposed to be a sci-fi action romp, really. And yeah. it just feels, as you said, completely soulless. Like because they worked down from that six hundred page script if that's real. They and they fashioned some kind of story, um, which is ultimately feels like it's gibberish. Because they they seem to cross that line between it being a kind of quirky, interesting world they created to, to actually not making sense anymore. And that's <laughs> that's an yeah. issue, isn't it? Yeah, I think they focused more on how it looked. I think it was very much style over substance. It, was, it, looked, it looked good. And I think like production design was good and costume design was good. All the things that kind of like are really in the background that elevate a film, I think, but not the story itself, which should kind of be the most important element of any film. Um, all the characters. The characters. I mean, we are trying to keep it positive. We need to stop. <laughs> we need to stop like ragging. Well, let's 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 just go well, through. I mean, we've got the big some some negatives. So we've got uh, incoherent plot in a lot of ways. Um, horrible acting. Horrible right. acting. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if that put an APB out for fucking the arrest of Eddie Redmayne. I mean, a lot has been made of his performance, and I think I've read an article on Variety that, you know, he, he was interviewed about that performance. They say it was a god-awful shocking performance or whatever. Um, but I mean, I mean, it, it's, it gets to the level of this, right? It gets to the level, as I said, $200 million this cost to make, right? $200 million, you know. How on earth did they get to set? Did cameras start rolling? Did the lights come up with these words on a piece of paper for the actors to say? It's yeah. astonishing. And it, it would have gone through God knows how it should have got through God knows how many eyes, script supervisors, script editors, agents, development teams, hopefully, you know, to get it to that level. So are we saying, are we saying that this is the best version? Imagine what it was like before they did any editing. Did it, do you think they did any editing to the script? Oh, yeah, I think they definitely did. But I think at some point it's just too far gone. I mean, if it's not very coherent, in 600 pages then it's really hard to make something make sense if you cut it down further because the reason why it's so long is because you're probably waffling so much right so yeah. to make something out of that already is difficult to make something out of something that doesn't make sense is already difficult so but let yeah. me ask you a question i want to ask you a question sir so all right you're eddie redmayne in oh, 2013 gosh. i guess before they shot the film the script lands on your table you're playing the role of an evil intergalactic uh, like emperor who harvests planets. You think, oh, okay, well, huh, sure. I'm interesting. But then you read what you're going to be saying and doing, and you still say yes. Well, how do you think that happened in your mind? Well, they give me a lot of money for it, and I say, okay. <laughs> and then right. I, what I can only assume is that the directors definitely egged him on there is no or they gave him free reign and unfortunately he that's what he saw in it free reign jesus yeah but like i i don't think to a degree i don't really blame his acting because he was clearly told you know you're gonna be like a commodus-esque figure um 
in a space opera, which obviously does mean a lot of hamming up and a lot of just insanity and whispering, apparently. And the directors <laughs> let that happen. They just let it happen. They didn't. There's not well, one scene where he reigns it in. Not don't one. You, scene. Don't you feel like then? Then this film was made <laughs> with. There was like a policy on this film when it was being made and developed. No one's allowed to give opinions on it whenever else is doing, right? Yeah. So the, the directors were on set. They put the cameras in, and then they were not. They were contractually not allowed to say anything about the acting. That is the only way I can imagine this was actually put to film. And someone yelled, "Cut! Let's switch over to the next scene." Someone was happy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. This is hard. I mean, I think one thing about Eddie Redmayne's character, at least you could say, is every time he's on screen, it's hilarious. So you get enjoyment. Oh, yeah. But we have to talk about, we have to talk about the character of Jupiter. Oh. Jupiter oh. Jones, played by Mila Kunis, is quite possibly the most dull, insubstantial, non-existent human being ever portrayed through the medium of film. I can't think of a single character that is more more boring and just passive. I, I literally can't think of a single character. Never mind in a sci-fi space opera <laughs> got production issues again. A sci-fi space opera <laughs> where you're supposed to be so literally out of this world. And yet you have a woman who is just going from place to place most of the time. Yeah. Bland, blandly, like she has no expression on her face whatsoever. Right. And, which is weird because before this film, I never thought that Mila Kunis was that bad of an actress. And then I came out of it thinking that she's one of the worst actresses I've ever seen. Well, and, it's hard, isn't it? Because again, I come back to this idea of like, what, what does she have to work with? What would, what would the line, what would entice her? Apart, you could say the money, obviously the money. But yeah. She knew what she was going to have to say, and she said yes. Yes, but like, this is again like a product. This is a this is a directing issue. She was not given any idea of where she should go, what kind of character she should be. She's clearly, and the thing is, it's so consistent throughout the entire film that it's clearly, in my opinion, like a directing issue. They told her to be bland. They told her to just like stand there and look bemused. I think, and that was it. Because. Well, I- if it was up to her, she would have. There would be differences in every scene, but she's right, so right. consistent throughout. But what I, what I read before was that there part of the impetus behind her character was to subvert, as I said to you before when we were watching the film, subvert the typical archetype of a female action hero, which doesn't seem that typical to me because it's not. It's still quite rare, you know. But yeah. with they're, they're referring, I guess, to like your Ripley's or your Sarah Connors, you know where they go almost ultra masculine in kind of compensation, you know, and, but they didn't go that way. They created incredibly passive kind of, yeah. as you say, non-emotional character, which is a choice, I guess, but mm. it doesn't, it's like, it's like subverting for subversion's sake and you create something terrible. You know, that's what they've done. Uh, I think that's, I honestly think that's just like some bullshit PR that they came out with. I yeah, know that's yeah, really yeah. hard, but I think that's just like, they just said that. They have no idea what they're talking about because you cannot watch this film right. and think, she does not make a single decision. She One decision she does make, sorry, she goes, I want to get changed. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Right. That's the only thing she does. She is shuffled from one place She's to another. She's the queen of earth and costume changes. 
and bees. She's the queen of bees. Right, Literally. right. So, so, okay. So, so yeah. like, imagine you walking down the street and you saw, I don't know, like a dog on a leash or something, <laughs> right? The expression you have on your face when you see that, imagine that expression, right? And imagine that expression on someone who's seeing like a cathedral of spaceships in the sky, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same expression. Mm -hmm. She goes from a cleaner in Brooklyn, or no, not Brooklyn, Chicago. Chicago. Jeez, Chicago, sorry. They've shown after that Chicago skyline. Uh, Chicago, and then I think 20 minutes later, she's in space in an intergalactic dispute over the harvesting of human bodies. And she doesn't change. She doesn't change. Yeah. Channing Tatum's character, Mr. Wise, I think is his name, Kane Wise. Kane, Kane Wise. <laughs> is literally bonded with like dog or wolf DNA. <laughs> and at one point she goes, I love dogs. <laughs> it's like, what planet are you on <laughs> in which any of this is normal? And it would be fine if she went through the stages of kind of like, what the fuck is this? Where am I? Etc. Etc. She almost goes through none of that. She just accepts her fate, whatever is handed to her, almost straight away. Uh, towards the end, Eddie Redmayne's character slaps her across the face. No expression whatsoever. It's actually yeah. astounding. It's yeah. astounding. So, I mean, what well, I, uh, I, I just I do come back to this idea of how it happened. I'm just fascinated. <laughs> I'd love to know how it happened. How 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 did this occur? How is this allowed to happen? Yeah. You because know, it's not like, the, like, as I said about the Wachowskis, they, they made a, a, like one of the greatest films of all time, you could probably say, in The Matrix, right? Oh, yeah. Probably, yeah, I'd say that. Uh, you can, you can rewatch that film a couple times a year and you'd always like it. I've, God knows how much you've seen that film and I've seen that film. hundred yeah. times, probably. Yeah. Then their sequels got slightly worse with each one. They had some good bits, but... Nah, you know. Awful. And then they had, what, 15 years of mm. terrible films? And yet they are still enabled, able to, to make them. But usually in Hollywood, you get a couple of goes, don't you? Even if you hit it big early on, mm. eventually people wear out their patience or they wear out the, their, their, their wallets don't open and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But they seem to be able to do it again. And like now I know they're making the Matrix Four now, so they probably had they probably thought, well, we're not gonna get another film made unless it's another Matrix film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just astonishing. I don't know how it happened. But. I think they probably do have some interesting points of views that maybe they can pitch quite well because sure. you know, yeah, like I I wasn't a fan of like Speed Racer either, but they pitched something that was like exciting and hey, it's like a colourful adaptation of a mm of a, is it a manga, I think? You know, yeah. whatever. In, in theory, that sounds good. With this as well, it's kind of like a space opera. That's not usually done anyway. It's very grand. Okay, fine. And then you get someone, like some big names on boards. That's fine. That makes sense. And they can work with a budget, seemingly. So yeah. fine, makes sense. But the problem is, I just don't think, somewhere along the line, they are just so incoherent in what they want to say. And nobody seems to be reining them in. Nobody seems to be telling them, like, this is just, no, go back to the drawing board. Or maybe someone did, and that's what came out of it. In well, you know, case, the, the producer that worked with them was a guy called Grant Hill, I think produced all of their films with them. So... The man's a god. He's a god. He... What the fuck? The so, man, 
powers of the devil. So, I mean, I mean, he must have been, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to know what he thought. I mean, I'd love to know what they thought of what they were doing, you know, because one of the positives about this film on paper is the idea that there is people out there who are still, still able to be given a, a large amount of money, a big gamble to try and do something original in sci-fi, right? Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't happen anymore. I, I mean, it, it rarely happens ever, but I remember when this film came out, it was, you know, I can remember it specifically. I, don't, I never went to see the film in the end, but when I saw the trailer and knew what they were doing, I was super excited because I, I, that's a dream to do that kind of thing, isn't it? Be given yeah. $200 million to create your own sci-fi epic, you know? And you, I was thinking, oh, if, they, if this does well, this might usher in a new, you know, we'll move away from the adaptation choke market to something like, you know, original ideas, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they showed everyone if you get too original it goes completely fucking bonkers yeah. and incoherent and uh, that's such a shame that's a real disappointment yeah. isn't it I wouldn't be surprised if the people who funded this or thought it was a good idea thought that it might be the next Star Wars or something um, oh. and then they saw the film and then they went fuck my life so I mean it's the ending it's, there's sequel possibilities we don't know where Eddie Redmayne landed. He might have landed like Whoa. Palpatine star on a ledge oh. or something. Yes, can I just say this entire film has been hyping up this big villain that is Eddie Redmayne's face. And at the <laughs> end, he, he just... Is he is the enemy of everyone, his fucking face. Yes, he is just like the most over-the-top caricature of like a Roman emperor. And then at the end, you know, he. this is a planet that is so developed they've been around for millennia like 19 millennia the mother was meant to be and then he essentially beats Mila Kunis down with a fucking pipe a, <laughs> a lead pipe and then she she manages to turn it around on him and instead of doing anything even just just making an active decision she throws away the pipe and she's like I'm not your mother great fine and then he fucking falls off the ledge and just into nothingness. Is that meant to be a conclusion to this film? It's just so mediocre throughout. It's like, what is it trying to say? It was meant to, I don't know whether that was meant to be the Ripley moment when she's like, get away from her, you bitch. But that was not it. That was just like, that was, I'm getting so heated right now. That was just so fucking not it. It's just, I don't know why I watched this film for two hours if I can't see Eddie Redmayne die in it at least. Come on. Well, at least, like, well, every ba a basic tenant of your movie. If you're gonna build up your villain to this, well, I don't know, build him up. That's a ridiculous word when you think about this film, but <laughs> like try and develop some kind of menace in your in your villain and danger, whatever. Yeah. You've got to have him die in a big way. <laughs> You've got yeah. to have him die in a crazy fucking way. Like all this Indiana Jones film, every every time the villain would die, it'd be the most horrific. What was that mm -hmm. bit in the Temple of Doom? Doesn't his heart exploded? Or, I can't remember. Yeah, and then the Nazi gets his face melted off. Face melted off, you know. And the reason for that is because you're supposed to hate this person, and it's a bit mm -hmm. dark to say, but you want to see them get, yeah, some retribution yeah, for their sins. Yeah. Rather than just slipping off a ledge, you know, like he was drunk. <laughs> and, just, and you don't even see him, like, hit anything. And it's going to sound a bit morbid, but he just falls away. I think, I honestly think that Eddie Redmayne cottoned on to what was going on in his performance, and he's like, could you please just get me out of it? <laughs> And you like fucking blink me out of this, yeet me out of this film. Like maybe they shot this whole like 
I don't know, him screaming shot with his face fucking contorted. Oh, like he, a Hans Gruber type. He literally thing. kicked down the door of the editing suite and just like took the controls, <laughs> deleted all the files. Please, don't have this be seen. If I, I was, if I was him, I just pretend that I never starred in this film. I just, well, I just yeah, whenever someone mentions the film. Yeah, it's so, like if if you mention the Jupiter ascending to him, he looks at you as if he's waiting for you to speak. Like, yeah. when are you gonna start speaking? You haven't said anything yet. Why are you just looking at me? No, it's like, what, what, what about your performance in Jupiter Ascending? Why are you just looking at me without saying anything at all? No, just turns uh, around and leaves, honestly. Yeah, I'd really like it if you spoke to me rather than just looking at me. I'm not, I'm saying, how was your performance in Jupiter Ascending? All right, you're being weird. I'm, I'm out of it. <laughs> uh, I, it's, it's also good to say that he did this. He did this performance the same year he won an Oscar. Same year he won an Oscar. He won a Razzie for this performance, which is the opposite of the Oscars every year, which is for the worst stuff. So he yeah. won the Razzie for best, the worst male performance of the year. Yes. This man went to Eton. <sighs> God. So um, what, what, what we need to try and do then is, you know, what, what's good? <laughs> what's good? About- <laughs> um, okay. I mean, for fuck's sake, I don't Production design, visuals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the production, yeah, the visuals is fine. But again, it's kind of like, you know, does that really mean much when everything else oh, it just doesn't make any sense? Um, well, it, it, it's like that thing of, uh, I don't know, it's like if you're a kid and you go to like a museum or an art gallery, right, and you're bored out of your mind, but there's like one picture in there that gets you, you know. Mm-hmm. There, the plot is gibberish, but occasionally I'd watch it and there'd be one image of like, ooh. Oh, yeah. And, and then maybe you'd have like two or three of those every 20 minutes or something like that. You know, ooh, okay. Ooh. You know, some of the spaceship shots, like my little, my young boy mind went, oh, that's a cool shit, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So that's, that's, that's something, I don't know. Jesus. That's true. I mean, um, how would you streamline the film if you could just starting from the very basics so like the characters for example would you have such a large cast would you, you have such a you cast just, you, family you, politics you, you don't need the family politics right you don't need the family politics you can have Eddie Redmayne's character being you know a planet harvesting evil bastard and but in order to harvest planet earth he needs Mila Kunis for some reason right yeah you don't have to get into the weeds on her being the reincarnation of their mother and this jealousy between the brother, two brothers. and Which, honestly, comes at a point at the beginning of the film that they should be using to develop, like, who this fuck Jupiter is. Like, you don't know who she is, apart from a cleaner, right? It's a couple of shots of her scrubbing a toilet, mm. and that's meant to make us feel, like, emotionally, oh, she has to scrub toilets, poor angel. Yeah. Oh, I, hope she, I hope she finds a way in life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So just, there's, there's so much fat. There's so much fat in the characters. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sean Bean's in this. He plays Channing Tatum's, like... Mentor type. Mentor, like yeah. Mace Windu or something. <laughs> and, uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's terrible. And it's so... The other thing they got, they had to sort of <clears throat> double-crossing. There's so many double-crosses, you go cross-eyed. Yeah. See, I forgot who was working for who, and not in a kind of like, oh, this is getting deep and interesting. <laughs> I literally forgot what people were doing in scenes. Yeah. So, and um, 
what's hilarious is that you feel like because it's a, it's a 600 page script that they cut down they got this you imagine there's lots they cut out i'm sure they shot more than this you know uh i'm sure they did and that feels like the way it does because there are times when the editing goes mental where you have like you could have her i think there's a shot of her back home Milikun's back home surrounded by like aliens or whatever cut hard cut she's in intergalactic space flying to the center of jupiter i think it's like literally two sh shots right next to each other yeah. uh there's no, there's no interest in how people get places or anything like that so yeah, wait this is supposed to be positive stuff <laughs> it is really mad i find it really interesting that like the family politics was brought up early but then we actually never see the siblings together ever again yeah. like they just are in separate places at all times so it's kind of like why do we so what 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 makes the audience want to care about who wins or loses or who like it's just a plot device right like mm. they all hate each other because the plot requires them to uh <laughs> anyways yes so the cast i don't think is necessary i think just having eddie redmayne as this like big bad is fine you know he wants to harvest the planet and obviously he needs her and then the thing that gets in the his way initially is Caden Wise, Channing Tatum's heroic character, who, yeah. by the way, puts in a lot of work. Who who does everything in this film? He is everywhere at once. The man like crashes into two planets. That's, yeah. that's get that man a fucking yeah. drink. Just get him an armchair or something. At one point, I did feel bad for him. I was just kind of like, this man is doing so much work. I'd love it. <laughs> they had a shot of him sighing in a corridor, catching his breath. Yeah, like Jesus Christ, I haven't slept in like two weeks. I am, <laughs> I am so stretched thin right now. I am juggling so much. Or he just like randomly cries on someone's shoulder because he's so overwhelmed. Like Mila Kunis just comes with like, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just really tired. You know, exhausted. He, he, he looks so over it towards the end. I mean, there's some romantic parts towards the end, and he just looks completely dead eyed. He is not oh. interested. He just yeah. wants. To Go have a shower, go have some food, and just sleep for three days straight. <laughs> just thinking about what he's going to do with that paycheck. He's got the paycheck eyes. <laughs> yes. You know. Um, yeah, That's off I, to them all, though. I mean, I, I do feel, I mean, they're, they're, I don't feel sorry for them, like millionaires, but yeah. <laughs> to have to, like, they must have known through it a bit, like, oh, God, this is a real stinker. I'm just yeah. astonished again that they got to the point of real. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they didn't know, but it's it's hard to think that they didn't know, isn't it? You know. I don't think you can not know. I mean, maybe we can find the scripts at some point and flicker through it. But I have a hard time believing it's any more more coherent than mm. it shows on the screen. No way. Just no way in hell. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's no. the auditorium <laughs> script form. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, so the uh, two positives: visuals. And the fact that it's an original idea, I guess, is a good. Yes, but I feel like that's what we kind of we, we kind of said that about Maniac Cup as well and, and Hitler's Brain. But I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I feel like at least Maniac Cop and Hitler's Brain had a stronger soul to the film, which is weird because you can't really define a soul to a film. And I know it sounds like bullshit usually, but when I'm watching when I was watching Jupiter Ascending. I literally felt like there is no reason to make this film other than the fact that you had the budget and you can, and there's nobody stopping you. <laughs> there is no 
heart to it. Yeah. There's no emotion to it. It, it really smells it. of it smells of that thing that you see in the behind the scenes for the prequels, Star Wars prequels. Yeah. Where everyone I think there's that red letter media that guy does those hour and a half reviews of the Phantom Menace stuff, which is the amazing reviews. But he talks he comments over this footage of the making of the Phantom Menace. And the George Lucas is there, you know, the Star Wars big shot, creator of Star Wars. And he's there in script meetings, production meetings. Everyone looks fucking terrified of him. Like, mm-hmm. like shifty eyed. Like I think the producer's called Rick McCullum. And there's one scene where George Lucas, <laughs> he's describing his script for The Phantom Menace. I think he says, like, he's talking about poetry. Like he's basically talking about the structures of his script as if it was, were poetry. He goes like, it's like poetry, it stanzas, you know, it rhymes. Yeah. You know, talking about whatever he's talking about with the script. And there's a cut to a shot of Rick McCullum, his producer, just this wide-eyed, freakish look, like he's seen the devil, <laughs> seen the ghost. You just imagine with this, you know, the Matrix big shots still, they must still have, it has to be that they have that effect on people or something. People around them can't tell them they're stupid. Or that this yeah. was a bad idea, you know. Yeah, and I think you, you need a certain type of self-assuredness um, to make big films, and that's what they do, and that's what they've always—that's what they always try to do, for better or worse. Like they have big ideas, and they really want to go for them. But I just don't understand why they cannot have like a main character who you have an emotional connection with, who has a personality who has a point of view and it's weird because it seems like they seem like interesting people who do have all of those things and yet it just does not come through through a main character and i i just i feel like it's a real shame and and the reason why this film frustrates me more than others is because it has everything it needs to be a good film except a coherent story well, <laughs> I, 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 I probably said to play devil's advocate, I think if you're talking about the Wachowskis filmmaking, they are much more on the side of, you know, the character's not their focus. They're not character-driven storytellers. They're like mm. world and, and uh, thematic-driven storytellers, I guess. You know, they're about philosophical ideas and all those kind of side. And like, if you like, if you look at like The Matrix, Mm. the characters in that are wooden as hell let's be honest there's no like i mean neo is just a blank slate really for the most mm-hmm. part uh well he gives a little bit of character to him at the beginning but he just becomes this complete wall and even I mean, I... the only the only interesting character in that trilogy to me is morpheus because he's got that whole doubt about whatever you know if it's going to be the yes. prophecy. yeah That's but they true. have they're not known for this so this is not like a surprise in that way uh you're right it's just a shame it's just a shame but at least, like, in, like, The Matrix as a script is incredibly tight and it mm. follows a very traditional kind of three-act structure with all the yeah. beats and blah, blah. And maybe maybe that's something that they need. Maybe they just need that yeah. very strict structure. Otherwise, they just go off the rails. Well, but, can, that's, that's a great point, actually, because you can see the bloatedness of their films over the course of the three Matrix films. Like, the first Matrix is really tight. The second, the character level, the character numbers, sorry, go up like triples. Mm. They they have characters in the second Matrix film, I remember, in a similar way to Jupiter Ascending, that are just there. And yeah. it, you, it's like you've missed the introduction to them. Yeah. Is that remember the one with the albino twins or something? Yeah, the albino twins. Yeah. 
Um, there's like the key maker. Remember that key maker character who has all the keys? Uh, yeah. Is there the In French the doors? guy? And yeah, the Merovingian. Those people. Yeah, just overlook. And the third one is it's off the rails. And you can chart. The more money they get, the more success they got away from that tight, amazing, yeah, structure of the first film. And since then, I don't think they've ever they've never achieved anything on the level of the Matrix in terms of a film, have they? Really? No, no. But this is what I mean: is like I what I kind of suspect is maybe there was someone involved in the first Matrix that was that was refining the script a little bit for them. Mm. And then as they got more success, they didn't have that same person. And like you said, yeah. like the George Lucas thing where you don't want to be the one who tells George Lucas, hey, this dialogue is really bad about the sand and whatnot. Mm. Uh, so bad that it's now like universally loved because- This so will bad. be a meme. This will be a meme for all time. Yeah, but it's kind of like, and so again, it's like they have, I think they get green lit because they have these really amazing ideas and they have like, these really great pictures probably and they can sell it as like this very grand kind of new age of cinema or whatever but in reality they can't live up to those expectations mm. because they just don't understand like why is it that an audience can't connect to this because there's just no there's just no character to connect to there's no character that is of any interest in this story and if there's no character that you can latch onto, and the story itself is just like I don't know, like fucking acid trip. It's just, what are you gonna do? You're just sitting there watching like a pretty landscape for two mm. hours and Channing Tatum's fucking <laughs> acting. I honestly think from almost the first 10 minutes when you see him in those wolf ears with the terrible makeup, the terrible eyebrows and the goatee, yeah. something about that just disconnected me immediately. Cause I thought that just looks stupid. Yes. It just should look, look stupid. Yeah, I think there's a certain taste level as well that's a problem because why why is why is he infused with wolf DNA? Why does he have wings? <laughs> that ask questions you don't want to answer. To. You know what? I, because these are all kind of tropes in sci-fi. You know, there everything that's in it. There's even like this kind of I don't know galactic police. It feels like, and it's it's a Star Trek set. You know, it's like the captains at the at the front and she's ordering everyone around on the bridge and blah 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 it's straight out of star trek it's like that's not original and it's <laughs> it doesn't even it doesn't even fit in the story i don't know why they're there <laughs> so they're just taking a lot of tropes and trying to put it in one film but they don't really know what they want to say with it like what are they trying to say like you can come from nothing and be the yeah. of the world or whatever i think i think there's an, there's an honest trailers video on this and they try and summarize what the i think they try and summarize what the meaning is and maybe i'm confusing it, but I, I just think yeah they can't do it because yeah, gibberish fucking gibberish yeah, it's difficult it's, isn't it because we the whole point of this is to go back and find something positive yeah it's really hard with this one because this is this I, is the more recent one isn't it as well so it's the most recent one we've done so really anything we're taking from it should be more much more applicable than say anything we're taking from they stole hitler's brain yeah. Because that's 60 years ago, right? Yeah. But I feel like I can take more from that than this. Mm. Yep, pretty much. I, I I feel like there's even more potential with Hitler's brain as well sometimes. If, if it <laughs> well, was just like... Don't say that out loud. <laughs> uh, context. But, yeah. Okay, so if if you were to remake this film, if you were to 
you know, maybe just take the basic kind of concept of it and then rework it to the best of your ability. How would you go about it? Just simplify, cut down number of characters and just have, just create a through line for your main character, right? So you could have, you could have uh, Mila Kunis as, a, as a, a cleaner or whatever, and she has a, a problem in her life. She's unhappy, you know, because yeah. uh, it's just a, as an aside. In this film, she she says, "I hate my life. I hate my life." When she's getting out of her bed, but you didn't really feel like there was something she needed to improve in her life, right? Whatever it is, right? Maybe she was lonely or whatever, or she felt powerless, or she felt like yeah, she's got no control over her life, whatever. By the end of the film, you need to make sure that she's achieved that she's made that change she's made an improvement she has that arc and she, she's a different person at the end of it you know yes the way the film is now it's Mila Kunis at the beginning is a cleaner she blankly stares at the story as it goes by her and mm -hmm. she ends up in love with Channing Tatum's half wolfman character and he, she flies around on hover skates above the Chicago skyline like I don't she doesn't change emotionally at yes. all she doesn't so, actually anything either um, the, the elements of the plot you can you can put that stuff in you can you can mix and match you can come up with with that stuff you've got to have that through line yeah. and then you, you assemble the story around it i mean that's the way i'd do it because if imagine jupiter sending if you felt emotionally connected to her like wow like wow that would be ridiculous because you've got this amazing visual world and you've got all this interesting you know mm. cultures and species that stuff is just would be an amazing spice to the pot, you know? Yes, yeah. It's just um, every good film has something that draws the audience in emotionally, right? You could have any genre film you can think of. You could have Alien, you know? Alien, Alien is still so revered and beloved now is because in a very short amount of time with very little material, you kind of connect mm -hmm. with Ripley and you want her to survive, mm -hmm. right? You want her to survive. Imagine putting <laughs> Mila Kunis's character on that ship with that alien. You would not give a fuck if she died. <laughs> she was the first one to go. Roll the credits. I'm good. I, yeah. I'm at the cinema. You know. <laughs> and the way the way you do that is just with good writing and uh, a bit of craft. That's all it is. You know. Mm. Mm. And because they're writing, directing their stuff all the time, they never have a writer on any of their projects. The Wachowskis. They're always doing it all themselves. Right. Yeah. Which Imagine is... if, if they had a writer who could just write a bit better. <laughs> they obviously got the visual storytelling. They're masters of that shit. They know what they're doing with that. Just, mm. just get, get, have someone else come up with the, the characters. Maybe I don't know. It sounds a bit passionate. You know what I mean? Though they, they're amazing world builders. They've got incredible yes, ideas. Yeah. Yeah. But I do actually question also like how good they are with directing actors because that was yeah. also like a universal issue throughout the film it's just no yeah. actor was, i mean i'm not saying channing Tatum is a fantastic actor but he can do better sometimes and mila oh, Kunis, yeah. you know she was okay in black swan whatever um eddie redmayne apparently can act and and he was giving it something but it's just i just did not enjoy what he was giving but it's a cyclical thing it's a cyclical thing if you're if you're directing your own dog shit material Chances yeah. are it's going to be hard to elevate out of that puddle of crap. That's so, true. That is true. Yeah. It's all in the script in the end. It's all in the script. It's the foundation of your film. And it's just a shame that they, 
because again yeah you're right so many elements of it could be interesting and it's just that, that as young filmmakers who like genre seeing those people at the top of their game with with the unlimited not unlimited but what is essentially unlimited budget in you know normal terms mm. just just throw it away and not really get hit it because th- th- it just sets back that you know trend yeah. again of being incredibly reliant on adaptations because adaptations are safer aren't they you've got a set yeah. story a set fan base a set market for the most part i mean obviously there are exceptions like that mortal engines adaptation was horrifying to bear yes but if you're a financer or a studio that's where they're going because it's a safer bet this was an opportunity imagine if this was well made and it did well at the box office we might be in a different film landscape now there might be tons of these kind of things coming out you know because it would have shown an appetite for these kind of stories i am i only have to imagine the reviews killed this film because the reviews are really bad you know oh yeah i think when it came out the first thing that i saw was like Eddie Redmayne's acting and just in general like yeah. this whole film is just overly long and and over dramatic and then I just thought you know what I'm not going to watch a two hour film with freaking Channing Tatum as the main character no. even though bless his heart he was he was putting in the work he was putting in a lot of yeah. physical acting people, um, have, people have a limit don't they because the cinema is expensive it's too expensive so yeah. you really do pay attention if a film is like a kind of a, a divisive film like you're like a mother or something like that mm. then you you go along just to see and you have your own opinion but for the most part these days because the cinema is so expensive because you've got so many other options if the reviews are across the board bad then you, i mean i i didn't see this in the cinema and this is this, i love sci-fi i love these crazy ideas these kind of like you know books mm. in this kind of way and stuff like that so i mean i should be the target audience for this film really uh, and maybe you, you would as well because you like sci-fi and that kind of stuff so yeah um, it's a shame it's a shame original sci-fis I feel like big budget original sci-fis I just can't think of one that has done well over the years I think of Elysium as well um, mm. from Neil Blomkamp Blom, Blomkamp oh, not that Blomkamp Blom, but Blomkamp, that, yeah. that was that was bad as well and yeah. it's a shame because they are they're doing like what you kind of want to see but just not in the way that you want to see them not as bad as Chappie. Oh God, yeah, I completely forgot about that film. Chappie. I love robots, and that film was just so hard to get through. That oh, set that set back the robot cause many years. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ, the Antwoods is just no. So but you know, you know what? This is a good little segue in some ways. But you know what we're finding now then is that a lot of the most interesting genre filmmaking is coming out of like Asia. You know, you've got that what the as film that people might not have heard of, but it was the highest grossing film in I think in the Chinese box office in their history, at least when it came out, it was called the The Wandering Earth. Oh and yeah, that was a. It was a sci-fi film about, uh, I think it was about like gravit like pulling planets in different gravitational rays or something like that to affect. I don't know. It was some bad. They were like they were like yeah. pulling Mars in. They were like harvesting Mars or something. But it made like yes. I think it made five hundred million dollars in a week or something when it came out in China, and it's on Netflix now. And uh, but but that that that's an original idea, I think. And they're they're just going for it. I think there's a new film coming out of Korea. I think I sent you that trailer. I can't remember the yeah. name. But that looks amazing. Like I mean, it might be terrible in the end, but they're going for it out there because now they've got the budgets in other markets. It's not just America who can do these films. So 
Yeah. That's exciting. That's exciting. For the Wandering Earth, though, that was um, so that's based on an, a book by quite a famous like Chinese um, sci-fi writer. Oh, it's based on a book. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but he he's he wrote this other book called Three Body Problem, which is like seen as a milestone for Chinese sci-fi because obviously hmm. it's not really that well known, um, and that's being adapted as well, or it has been adapted. It has been. Mm. It yet. but yeah it's kind of at least there's something new going on it's well, yeah they other markets have the ability now to create these stories and you know, 15 years ago they couldn't do justice to but now the chinese box office is almost on par with the american in terms of the money it makes so yeah. it's exciting because it, it might open up a bit of competition and then you know american studios might see well they're just doing pretty well internationally these films maybe we could get a bit more money in the sci-fi area because yeah. can you think of a since Jupiter Ascending, what's the last big original sci-fi film that came out on this level of budget? I can't think of one. I, I can't think of one. I would just assume it was like Elysium or something. Um, I think that was before this. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Um, I can't think of any. To be yeah, maybe this was it. <laughs> <laughs> it killed everything else. Oh. I mean, budget sci-fis I feel like are, are doing okay, like original budget sci-fis, but it's just not the same as you can you just can't cover the range that you would with a budget like 200 million particularly for sci-fi which you can literally create another another universe like, yeah i tell you just, what uh, like it's going to tv now so like apple have got a tv series of isaac asimov's the foundation yeah yeah oh god that's gonna be mad. which are like yeah <laughs> uh, like some of my favorite books are amazing fucking books but that, yeah that's where it's going and they got i mean it's apple they're a trillion dollar company so um yeah. and i think amazon they were going to do an adaptation of ian m banks's culture novels which are really amazing yeah. sci-fi stories as well but uh they hired a writer to go on it and the estate wasn't happy with it so they just completely dumped the project but oh, yeah. they that's where it might be going so you know yes yeah, Ridley so, Scott did the um, Raised by Wolves on, uh, right. on Sky, I think. And that, <laughs> I watched like two episodes of it, and it is madness, but at least it's doing something new. And it's the writer for Prisoners as well, um, oh. one of my favourite films. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah at least it's I should probably say that you watched, how many times did you watch Prisoners in like a month? I had this weird period of time where I watched Prisoners to go to sleep at night. <laughs> I would have my laptop next to me and just like watch it over and over again. I have right. no idea. That's why not I weird. That's not weird at all. It's incredible. Just, just to be clear, Prisoners is a film about uh, children being abducted. Yeah. And a, a vengeful father holding who he thinks is the culprit hostage yeah. and tor torturing him. Yeah, it was. That was a weird time. I think. I think it was bedtime. Bedtime. <laughs> Yeah, it was very, very peaceful cinematography. It was very, very, um, you know, <laughs> I, I found it peaceful until, you know, like, uh, who is it? Wolverine. Who plays Wolverine again? Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman, yeah, starts screaming and then kind of wakes you up a little bit. But, but anyways, no, no need to talk about my sleeping habits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Not, that's not the fun part. Um, yeah, so all in all, I would say this was one of the most infuriating films I've ever seen because I wanted more and I never got it. It's, it's just the feeling of, of, you know, they had, they had everything there. 
all the resources. It's like, I often feel like, and it's, it's not like an original thought, but you know, um, you know, when you have less, you become more inventive, you become a bit more, like the thing about the matrix, when we talk about how it was so tight, the, pro the reason for that is that, you know, there's the second film. So they didn't have, I think it was the second film. They didn't have carte blanche to go mad and make it write a 600 page screenplay. They had to keep it tight because of the restraints of the money they were given. Mm. Uh, and that meant they had to just cut that story down. That that story is like that story could have been so long and confusing, but they just it's the essence of that story. That's what makes it so rewatchable. Mm. And it's just a shame as their career. It's it's a weird thing, isn't it? As a result of that amazing success, mm -hmm. they seem to have been given too much, and their films suffered. Mm. Um, like I'd like to see them do a smaller film, a smaller sci-fi film. They could probably do amazing things with you know just as you know 25 million 40 million does it have yeah. to be 200 million yeah it's because like um i feel like m night Shyamalan, which is really weird but like i feel like he had a similar problem where he was making good films at first and then he just got a little bit too deep in his own source and it mm. was really bad for a while and then he came back with like split and the mm. other film where <laughs> It sounds so strange, but it's like in a gingerbread house or something. I don't know, that was a poster. And I hear good things about that. And he just did like kind of smaller projects, it seems. Until well, he's got he a TV show. It's called Servant, yeah, I think. Now he's doing a TV show. And he's, he's really come back because for a long time, after The Village, I think, and after The Happening, yeah, The Happening, that's the one. Oh my that God, really The Happening. He almost killed his career, I think. And he just kind of toned it down a bit. And now he's back. And I, I still think he's a really good filmmaker. I think he, he's really good at building yeah, you know you know i think i think with with split he's he, he financed it himself i think didn't he like he put his own money in to finance it well yeah because he's um he works off his own production company essentially yeah so, mm -hmm. um and i i can understand like i think for a long time people weren't really willing to bank on him because the happening was so bad and even though i thought the village was kind of okay at times like people started to get a little bored of his plot twists or whatever. Um, and I may, maybe that's what the Wachowskis think. That, plot, don't is, that plot twist is hilarious in the village. <laughs> yeah, that was so, so disappointing. But oh. I, that film was so fucking creepy. I, it gave me nightmares. And I still think he's so good at building tension. I think he's one of the best directors for that currently working. So, yeah, last, end, um, last Airbender made me feel pretty tense. Oh my God, yeah. I completely that I completely forgot that film existed. Yeah, I just want, I wanted to just put that train on, like stop that train for a second before we got yeah. too complimenty about Shyamalan because he did do the last time. Those were yeah, those are like those are like one after the other as well. So I can see why his career kind of. Grew and he did Signs, which I know you like, but I think is one of the worst ones. Ever. I think Signs is amazing. I think Signs is great. Mel Gibson's best performance. Yeah, I mean, I could actually stand Mel Gibson in that film, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, maybe the Wachowskis need something, but we'll see. Maybe Matrix 4 will be amazing, but I just don't see that happening. But I'm happy to be wrong. No, I, I, I'm worried. I'm worried about it. I don't... I, I, I just... I, I, I don't know. I don't, they don't need to do it. They had, the, they had the time with the Matrix, and it got ridiculous at the end. Mm. And I think I heard whispers of what the plot is involving... Yeah. I mean, I think the, the the leaked title was called The Matrix oh, re, re, Resurrection or something like that. Is it The Matrix? Oh, 
it it's something it's something it's you know in because at the end of the matrix neo is dead right or this is a perfect ending for the for the trilogy i don't really know why they have to go back and by, when i say perfect i mean it's it's the ending you know it's wrapped and that, yeah and then part of the cast is an actor playing young morpheus which I, you know, the whole thing about the Matrix, it's a cyclical thing, isn't it? Every however long someone comes to reset the Matrix, I think that's part of the thing, and Neo was the one. So, and there's multiple versions of the Matrix, I think. So, but if Jupiter Ascending is, is that their last film that they did? Um, I feel like it isn't. Oh, they did a TV show, didn't they? Sensei, you said. Yes, uh, Sensei. I think that was, was that before or after? I heard that got okay reviews, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if that's if that's your last one, and you, you, you're going back to the well of the major, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm worried. Anyway. Yes. Alas. Um. Yeah. Upsetting. Slight. Like, <laughs> I yeah. don't know what to say. Upsetting. Bomb me out. I'm bummed. Yeah, I'm sad. But um, there was potential, and uh, as always. <laughs> As always, there was potential. I feel like we should rename this podcast to, for this specific episode. Just say there was potential here. <laughs> like they, they had it at one point and they lost it. Yep. Um, they lost it quite early on, though, I think. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but we shall see. Maybe we can do like a Matrix 4 special when it comes out. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, I, I, hope, that, I hope there's more than potential in that film. I just hope it's okay. I mean, (laughs) make it okay, please. Yeah, maybe it will just be like us groaning for forty minutes straight, um, and then being like, "Well, that was the Matrix 4. I mean, I I do that in every film. (laughs) I'm just a film snob, so if you know Lawrence of Arabia, like a masterpiece, I'm like, "Oh god, interesting, (laughs) interesting shot selection, David Lean." (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was good talking, and that's it. And if you have a chance to watch Jupiter Ascending, um, don't. Yeah, I, that's run, a, run away and burn okay. burn either your memory of thinking about doing it or burn your actual DVD player if you, that, if mm-hmm. you still have a DVD player. Yep, poor Eddie Redmayne. I'm not inciting arsony. I'm just saying, don't do watch, it. <laughs> don't watch that film, please. Goodbye. Oh. <laughs>